Hello, listeners. Welcome to the Joyful Courage Podcast, a place for inspiration and transformation as we work to keep it together while parenting our tweens and teens. This is real work. And when we can focus on our own growth and nurturing the connection with our kids, we can move through the turbulence in a way that allows for relationships to remain intact and life skills to be developed. My name is Casey O'Rourke. I am your fearless host, positive discipline trainer, space holder, coach, and the adolescent lead at Sproutable. Also mama to a 20-year-old daughter and a 17-year-old son, walking right beside you on this path of raising our kids with positive discipline and conscious parenting. You are in for a treat. This episode is part of a 10-part series where I'm reading from my book, Joyful Courage, Calming the Drama and Taking Control of Your Parenting Journey that was published in 2019. I'm sharing the book with you and reflecting on where it holds up and how the work has been expanded in the four plus years after writing it. If you're finding this series in the middle, I encourage you to start at the first episode, Joyful Courage Book Club, the intro, so that you can follow along from start to finish. The series is meant to be a resource to you and I work hard with everything I put out in the world to keep it real, transparent, and authentic so that you feel seen and supported. Along with this series is a free companion guide designed to prompt you in reflecting on what you're hearing and taking steps to integrate it into your life. You can find the guide and buy your own copy of the book by going to www.besproutable.com slash jcbook. And please don't forget, sharing really is caring. If you love today's show, please pass the link around, snap a screenshot and post it on your socials or text it to your friends. Together, we can make an even bigger impact on families around the globe. Enjoy. All right. Here we are. People, chapter eight. Chapter eight is titled, You Have the Tools, Now Stay Out of the Station. Thank you to everyone who's letting me know how much they're appreciating me reading this book. It's fun. And I'm glad that it's landing and you can get yourself a copy. The link will be in the show notes. If you want it in your hot little hands to mock up and write inside of, there's plenty of space. And like I mentioned in the intro, there is the guide, the companion guide that goes along with the book that I've made available to all of you as well. So check the links in the show notes for those things. All right. Chapter eight, you have the tools. Now stay out of the station. So in the writing of this book, I was invited to look at the phrase choosing in. The people who were supporting me really didn't want me to use those two words together. They felt like you, the reader, wouldn't know exactly what I was talking about. But I decided to keep those two words in the book because I feel like we are always being invited to choose in to the practice of being the parents we want to be. If it's new to you to hear those two words together, I simply invite you to play with it. I invite you to consider that you do have a choice here, that it is a choosing in. Just like we dive in to a pool, we choose in to the parenting practice we believe in. We choose in to the experiences that we want to have and create. Choosing in to our practice is saying yes, yes to discomfort, yes to trust. Yes to the unknown. (laughs) Aren't those fun things to say yes to, right? 
Choosing into our practice is being willing to breathe through our triggers, be willing to take the time we need to feel our body, slow down our heartbeat, find our peace, our calm, our connection. Choosing in is trusting that how we show up matters. Choosing into our practice is actually taking the time to use the three Bs, breath, body, balcony, even when everything inside of us is telling us to do something different. Remember earlier in this book when I shared about the list of challenges I presented to the parents in my parenting workshops and how as a result we are reminded that we don't live in our own private freak show? Actually, I don't present those challenges. Those lists, that list of challenges is actually generated by parents in the workshops that I lead live and online. There is a second list that the parents help to create during my classes as well. Here's what I do. I invite parents to imagine that their child is now in their late 20s and comes home for a visit. When they open the door, what qualities do they hope their child, now adult, has developed. Some of what shows up includes respectful, responsible, honest, patient, compassionate, empathetic, kind, self-advocating, accountable, hardworking, healthy, adventurous, flexible, a leader, self-regulated, creative, self-aware. Sometimes parents will mention clean and tidy and organized. So it is powerful to get a clear vision of what we want most for our children and to really spend a little time considering what our vision is. And again, these are universal. All parents want their children to grow into these life skills. And how do kids learn? How do they learn? They learn through example. They learn through something else, but I'm going to share that in a moment. And I want you to consider how you want to experience your life. What happens when we decide to be the creators of our own experience? That's really what this book is about. What happens when we decide we're going to take advantage? No, we're going to take charge of our life and become independent from the external experiences that occur around us. What happens? We feel empowered. It changes everything to move through the world knowing that you influence your experience. And what a powerful model for our kids. When you decide that you have the ultimate say in how you feel, you release the other person to their own experience. You are no longer in a dance of power that leaves you and the other person feeling spent and discouraged. And isn't that what we hope for our children? That they begin to realize how they affect the way that life plays out for them. That they are the heroes they've been waiting for. I'm going to pause here. So I said, how do kids learn? They learn through our example. Absolutely believe this. And they learn through their own experiences as well. And this comes up a lot when I talk to parents of teenagers, right? Because we lovingly want to figure out how to make sure our kids don't do any of the mischief, don't get into any trouble, and always make good choices. And I'm here to say 
that if our kids, if we could somehow create an experience, create an environment where our kids didn't have to stand inside of choice points around risky possibilities, around hard relationships, they wouldn't actually get to strengthen, develop, or flex the muscles that they actually need when we think about them being out in the world on their own. It is super useful. You know, I'm I'm thinking about like heartbreak or hangovers or speeding tickets. Like these are all things that we want our kids to have experience of in their back pocket so that when future choice points show up, they can look back and remember, you know what? The heartbreak was awful. I thought I was going to die of the pain and I got through it. Or yeah, not a fan of hangovers. I felt really crappy that morning. I'm going to make some different choices tonight so that I know I'm going to feel good tomorrow. Or dang, that speeding ticket was really high and I don't want to have to pay another speeding ticket. We hope this is the message that lands, right, with speeding tickets. So I'm going to pay attention to my speed, right? We want them to have experiences that teach them for future moments where they're in consideration, right? Here's what some of the Joyful Courage community said about choosing into the practice of joyful courage and feeling empowered. So Mama Anna said, every morning I have a choice to give my power away by blaming outside people, events, or circumstances and letting them dictate my mood and reactions to stand in my power and choose how I want to show up. Choosing into my practice includes using as many tools as I need to create connection, not only with my kids, but also with myself. Another mom, Justine, said, choosing in means having a deep appreciation for my kids, for who they are, even when it isn't convenient for me. It means them knowing how much I love them unconditionally through my actions, words, body language, and connection, and then reconnecting and owning up to my mistakes when I make them. Choosing in to your practice is surrendering to trust. We talked about trust last week. Letting go releases the grip that fear has on us. Every single life experience adds to the tapestry that is us. Every experience has the potential to grow us, even the really horrible things that happen. And this was, this is hard for me to write as I consider that painful, abusive, traumatic experiences have occurred in the lives of so many people, maybe even you. What opens up when you consider, yeah, that happened to me and I can move forward as an ever more complete person because I am a survivor of that pain. I've shared a little bit about my experience with my mom growing up. When I decided to leave her and move in with my father at 15 years old, I was hurting. And while I was so grateful and so privileged to have had the love and support I received at my dad's house, the pain of what felt like losing my mom was there. And the guilt. I had left my mom. I knew that she was hurting and that I was the cause. I had left my younger siblings there as well. And yet I was also so glad to be exactly where I was. And I had been brave enough to do what I needed to do. It was 
really difficult to hold all of that at 15 years old. Plus, I was a teenager. I got really good at pushing the hard emotions down and just not dealing with them. And I was receiving messages that I wasn't supposed to let what was happening between my mom and I become an excuse or a crutch. So I carried on. And as time went by, my mom and I became more and more distant. This podcast is sponsored by Factor. Are you old enough to remember TV dinners? They came in those tin trays and each part of the meal had its own little compartment. I remember eating those and watching Happy Days, followed by Three's Company, maybe a little Laverne and Shirley. I am that old. Well, the situation has been totally upgraded by Factor. Factor makes delicious, ready-to-eat meals. And unlike those quick meals of the past, every meal from Factor is fresh, never frozen, chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including meals that are calorie smart, protein plus, and keto if that's your thing. Also, there's more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. In my last order, we got red chicken chili tamale bowls and Italian sausage pizza casserole, as well as other delicious meals that my family loved. Plus, there's breakfast and smoothies and all sorts of other add-ons to make life simpler while also keeping it healthy. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. They've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Right now, head to factormeals.com slash joyful50 and use code joyful50 to get 50% off. That's code joyful50 at factormeals.com slash joyful50 to get 50% off. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. My formative years passed by. I went to college and lived my life and did my own individuating and experimenting with figuring out who I was in the world. Long story short, I grew up. My younger sister, shout out to Jamie, I love you so much. My younger sister ended up going to college close to where I was living. She was an all-American softball star, and my mom would come up and watch her play ball. We slowly reconnected, but the void that had been created in our relationship was evident to us both. I knew I wanted a relationship with my mom, and I was willing to let go of all the hurt and pain from my teen years. 
I became pregnant with my daughter. And this was the first of many times that my daughter would be the facilitator of healing for my mom and me. I knew I wanted my mom to be at the birth. And I also knew that she would need to be educated in the choices that I was making, natural birth, midwife, birth center. It was so comforting to have her be a part of my experience of becoming a mom. It was as if she got to know who I was, who I'd grown into through understanding the choices I was making. We were rebuilding our relationship. And while there was never an acknowledgement of our past, we were moving forward. As much as I wanted to hear an apology or something from my mom, I was also willing to let it go if it meant we could carry on and be in relationship. And every once in a while, she would make a comment to let me know that she was aware of the mistakes of the past. But I came to realize that it was incredibly difficult for her to confront that time. Being a mother now, I imagine the guilt and shame of how things played out weighed heavily on her. I have found compassion for her experience, and I no longer let our past get in the way. As I've demonstrated throughout this book, the process of showing up to life and parenting in a way that is vulnerable and authentic, choosing into joyful courage, it takes work. And in my own story, that work started with forgiving my mom. That was right for me. Not only forgiving my mom, but also acknowledging that it is because of and inside my experiences with her that I find my passion for working with parents today. I'm grateful for all of it. I'm grateful that I am the one, the mother who said yes to being more aware of how I'm showing up to my experience. As I stated earlier, it's my relationship with my daughter that is continuing to facilitate healing between me and my mom. It brings tears to my eyes when I consider how the ways that I am vulnerable about my parenting opens up space for my mom to step into her vulnerability. We're making things right with each other. We have made things right with each other. No regrets. Always looking forward. And that's what happens. That's what can happen when we choose not to let old pain and hurt be in the driver's seat. That's what can happen when we choose to nurture the hurt child inside of us and move to a place of love and compassion, releasing resentment and anger for the events that we had no control over. We become free. While your story is different than my story and it may be harder or easier for you to navigate the hurt you're carrying, I'm hopeful that you are opening up to the idea that it is possible to heal. And of course, I recognize that choosing to let go of deep hurts requires more than reading this book. Personally, I've participated in many types of personal growth and learning, and they each help in their own way. And we learn from each other and each other's experiences. Be a yes to learning and your life will change. I also want to say, you know, there's some dynamics where it is appropriate to create really hard boundaries and continue to be out of relationship with our parents or members of our family of origin. And I just wanted to share my story because it might resonate with you. And if it does, great. If parts of it do and other parts don't, great. You know, you are the designer of your life. So you get to decide, is there something that continues to be a wound, an open wound? And what is going to support you? Where do you have power over tending to that wound? Right? All right. 
Next section, finding lightness. It's important to keep coming back to how the experience of the emotional freight train feels because that is how we learn to know when we are on it. Typically, when we're on the train, it's because whatever we're reacting to feels big and heavy. We find ourselves in a space of urgency and we feel the need to do something. Or it might be the experience of finding ourselves in a space of just feeling frozen, right? Noticing that we're in deep fear. And sometimes that's like paralysis. So your emotional freight train is going to look specific to you, right? It's not always this big explosive thing, which I think I've already mentioned. What if we were able to find some lightness in those hot and heavy moments? What if we could literally lighten up, change our energy, and shake off all that weight that can feel so suffocating? Lightness is a tool. Lightness is release. Lightness is trust. Lightness is allowing an experience to happen. What do I mean by that? Resistance is the root of most suffering. And this is how we're going to get to lightness, by looking at resistance. Whenever we resist something, we find ourselves caught up in our emotions. Sometimes on the parenting journey, we resist the stage of development our child is going through, or we resist letting go of our vision for how something should go. Sometimes we resist our child's need for autonomy (laughs) or their bad mood. Anytime we resist what's happening, we suffer. In that suffering, we can find ourselves on the train simply to pass around the pain we're feeling in the moment. It's interesting too. So my same sister, who was the softball star, has a six-year-old and a two-year-old. And so I get awesome calls from her or text messages like, tell me again why I'm not using consequences. Tell me again why positive discipline is what I should be doing when everything inside of her kind of feels a little ragey. And relatable, right? For all of us. And I get to help her reframe, right? I get to help her reframe what's happening. And I think that's something with so much more conversation around relationship-centered, brain-based parenting that is in contrast to the way so many of us were raised, especially in the teen years with punishment and reward for our behavior. One of the things we resist is this idea that we don't have to employ punishments, right? That kids, you know, in the work that I do with positive discipline comes back to belonging and significance. And sometimes that's the place where we resist. Yeah, but they need to know it's not okay to do that, right? Anyway, I think that's interesting. Now, you might be thinking, what if my child is doing drugs or lying or shoplifting? Don't we want to resist that? No, you don't. Please don't resist that. The opposite of resisting is accepting. Accepting is the first step in recovery. Accepting opens the door to compassion. Acceptance allows space for possibility. So as you're listening, if you have a kiddo who's misusing substances or you know is doing some light shoplifting or is in some kind of other mischievous behavior, Like be in acceptance of that's what they're doing right now and educate yourself. I have two great podcast episodes that were actually from last fall. One was with Brenda Zane 
about being with our teens substance use, episode 378. And another one is with Dr. Emily Klein about motivational interviewing and how to communicate with our kids about their behavior. And that episode is 389. So I want you to make a note of those two shows and go back and re-listen, right? Re-listen. What we resist persists. So let's look at this in another way. Have you ever had the experience of having a perfectly fine day only to be greeted by a really grumpy partner? Maybe they come home, toss their stuff around the kitchen, ranting about their crummy boss or the jerk that cut them off. Do you notice what happens inside of you? Then maybe your kids walk in and they are a bit whinier (laughs) than usual, demanding this and that from you. Are you able to stay calm and connected to yourself and respond to your child in a way that's helpful and kind? Maybe, depending on your day, right? Maybe not. Who do we blame for snapping at our children? That grumpy ass partner, of course, right? If they hadn't come in that way, then I wouldn't have felt a certain way and I wouldn't have been such a bitch to my kid. It's easy to fall into this cycle for me. And especially when I'm not paying attention to my internal experience, I allow my partner's energy to cause me pain or suffering or heaviness. I'm resistant. I'm resistant to compassion or meeting my kids where they're at. With that in my body, am I moving towards lightness? Heck no. I respond to my child by passing on the pain and suffering that's going on for me. I can feel like I'm talking in circles here. But bear with me. The scenario above is one that plays out over and over when we aren't in the present moment. It highlights the way we hop on the train or other people's trains without realizing what we're doing. What if this wasn't a metaphor? (laughs) Could you imagine all the times we would look around and realize that we were in a whole new town with all the train hopping that we do? Lightness can be used when we're getting pulled into the energy of the people around us and we choose to rise above it. We choose to bounce up and out. It can be an internal conversation that sounds like, wait a minute, this is yours, not mine. I recently had the opportunity to practice this. This is funny because I literally had the same experience today, this morning with my 17-year-old, same kid. But of course, this was like five years ago. I recently had the opportunity to practice this when I was in the backyard one morning, finishing up some self-care, and my son poked his head out the door and angrily stated, there are no bagels. He was visibly irritated, and I could feel the blame he was throwing my way. I paused, decided not to say anything at all. That was the best thing to do. He rolled his eyes in exasperation and closed the door. I took a few breaths. I calmed down my body. As I gathered my things, I put a smile on my face and I found some curiosity. I went into the house and saw him sitting on the couch. Sorry, there were no bagels, I said. Can you figure out something else to eat? Do you need me to list off what's available? What do you need? This was so helpful. This was so helpful. It allowed the tension to leave the space between us and he responded by saying he'd find something else to eat. This could have turned into something very different had I responded to the heaviness 
that came with his first comment to the blame, to the snark. I could have gone on and on. I could have stood right up and gotten his face defensively about how, by the way, there was plenty to eat and what was his problem and didn't he know how privileged he was? Pain and suffering. I'm glad I used lightness that morning. And like I said, just this morning, Ian was like, there's no bagels. <laughs> Literally the same thing. And I responded with, are you good? Can you figure something out? And he's like, yep. And we moved on. It was a non-issue. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. Mama Lauren wrote, when I'm able to reach for lightness, I feel like I'm setting the right example for my children. Not everything is a serious travesty. If I can be light, many potential conflicts or problems just melt away and my family feels more connected. I love that. Lightness can be evoked, my friends. Once we realize we're carrying the baggage of pain and suffering, we can put it down and lighten the load. To do this, we turn to the body. This next section is called using our body to shift. I have had mothers show up to my workshops feeling that they have been duped. I have mothers right now who, you know, you get to the teen years and it's definitely like, why was I into this? They feel like the motherhood experience that society sold them was not the experience they've found themselves having. They feel exhausted, angry, sad, and they have a tremendous amount of guilt for feeling this way. Dads too. I'm going to say moms and dads. I remember at the beginning that I was going to pay attention to my language. And this is just a total side note right now. When I wrote this, I really wrote it from my experience of being a mom. And I know that I've kind of 
created a dynamic where it feels like this book is written for moms, but it's not. It's written for moms and dads. And so I know dads feel the same way. I know this to be true because I talk to dads who are like, what the F is going on? They're carrying the heavy baggage of pain and suffering. As you know, I was in my own pain and suffering experience as my oldest child moved into her first few months of high school. (laughs) This is so hilarious to read because like the first few months of high school were nothing compared to the following few years. She was expanding who she was, trying things on, pushing back, making mistakes. The baggage that I was carrying was heavy. The hardest part about this was the way that my daughter pushed me away. It felt like every time I saw her in pain and tried to connect with her, she would shut me out. That hurt. This was also, on some levels, developmentally appropriate. I was resistant to the fact that I was being invited to let go, share the power, and allow her space to explore her world. This was what she needed, yet I often found myself in resistance. Why do we go there? Why do we try and take control? Why? Because we're human. When we feel threatened, unsafe, or because at some level, our sense of connection and adequacy feels vulnerable, we go into fight or flight or freeze, or fawn. This is something I talked about in an interview just yesterday, the fawning survival skill, the people-pleasing. I think that parents lean into this. We get panicky, and so that's the giving in piece. That's the place where it's like, I want everybody to feel good, right? So we slide into some people-pleasing. It's fascinating, and I want to do a whole podcast about it. We care deeply about those we love the most. So it makes sense that they are the ones who can invite us into feeling this way. Great. What do we do about it? Well, here are some things that I've done. Take them or leave them, but figure it out for yourself what is going to be useful to you. I have been to therapy. I love therapy. I've had life coaching. I've had my own parent coaching. I'm surrounded by people who are resources that support me and making sense of what I'm experiencing. I love energy work. I have a really good friend who's a Reiki master, and she shows me the places where my soul is holding on to generational trauma. I love a good workshop. Transformational workshops are so powerful. I love to insert myself into experiences that allow me to see myself from the inside out. I seek out those experiences. I meditate regularly. And I am an avid journaler. I pour out into my journals. I take care of myself. And I've added, this isn't in the book, but something that is so powerful during the teen years is remembering that this is temporary. Who they are now is not who they'll always be. And when I read back to freshman year and the way that Rowan treated me, if you are up to date on the podcast, Last week, Rowan, sometime in August, (laughs) um, Rowan was a guest on my show and she reflected on how she treated me during those times. And it was really powerful to hear her mention, gosh, I wasn't very good to you. It was really nice to hear that. And it's amazing now. Our relationship is amazing. So the pain of back then didn't stick around, right? And I attribute it to, you know, her own maturity and growth, but also to the way that I responded to her. It left room for us to be in really good relationship now. So remembering that everything is temporary and still 
there are times when the emotional freight train pulls into the station. And my favorite practice for supporting myself was introduced in the last chapter, the three Bs, breath, body, balcony. Let's take a minute and practice putting the three Bs together. Are you ready? If you're driving, just pause and do this later or just listen to my soothing voice. (laughs) All right, get comfy. Bring your attention to your breath. Allow yourself to inhale and exhale. Notice the muscles in your face. Bring your attention there. Really explore what's happening around your eyes and your forehead and your jaw. Imagine with every breath you take that you can soften the muscles on your face. Now drop into your neck and shoulders and notice the tension there. Is there room for your shoulders to drop back and down? Try it. See how it feels. Release any tightness with your breath. Do you see how your heart opens simply by pulling back your shoulders a little? Now take another breath and imagine the fresh new air going straight into your heart center. What's your experience? If you are thinking that it's random for me to ask you this, close your eyes for a bit and take 10 slow breaths straight into your heart center and then reflect on what you notice. Now drop your attention into your belly and your bottom and see what's calling to be let go of. We hold so much of our fear in our hips and our butts. What happens when we let go? With the next few breaths, feel your connection to the ground beneath you. Feel the support of your legs and feet as they hold you up and root you to the earth. Now smile. Imagine that you have put down the heavy baggage of pain and suffering and worry. You released them. They are now moving away from you on the emotional freight train that they came on. Notice what's available when we start with the body, when we open up our hearts, when we release the tension. Feel what's happening for you. Imagine what becomes available inside of relationship when we practice noticing what is happening in our body and allow for our intended way of being. Not thinking about the way of being, but really embodying the space for that way of being to exist. Imagine what you will see from the balcony seat. To avoid the emotional freight train, we have to choose into using the tools. We have to say, now I will choose to show up differently for my children and find something new. Try something new. We have to explore the three Bs and trust that keeping ourselves grounded, present, and open-minded will support us in the long term. This is bigger than reading this book. Like I've already said, this is actually putting the concepts that I'm sharing into practice on a regular basis to stay off the emotional freight train on your parenting journey, staying out of the station. Remember, that's the name of this chapter. Using your body as a tool makes a huge difference. When you practice embodying the ways of being that you want most, animating them, bringing them to life, you will find them much easier to access. How do we make this sustainable? That's what we're going to talk about next week in the final chapter of the book. (sighs) 
So thank you so much for listening again. I like this chapter. It gets into some juicy stuff. And I think it holds up. I think it holds up. So it is about the practice. It's about willingness. You know, willingness is something that I really dug into when Rowan and I went through DBT a few years back, dialectic behavioral therapy together. And willingness, right? Being willing is no joke. Like it's a powerful choice, right? And, you know, there's going to be days where we're like, nope, not willing, super overwhelmed by my emotions. And then there's days where we're going to get better at noticing the choice points and being willing to try something different. So again, it's not about perfect. It's about progress. It's about practice. And one of the things, I don't know if I've mentioned this yet, but one of the things that I encourage clients and community members to do is use your phone as a tool and throughout the day have little reminders that show up that just say three Bs or say breath, body, balcony. And wherever you are, take that opportunity to find your breath, write it into your body and let go of the tension and release any tension that's alive in you. And then take the balcony seat and get a more expanded perspective around whatever it is that you're navigating. It's a tool that I really, I mean, it's just that high repetition that we need that makes it ever more possible to access when we're in a more emotional state, right? If we practice when we're in less of an emotional state, we can then lean into it. It's more likely we'll lean into it when we're in an emotional state. So we got to practice like going to the gym, right? Getting those reps, strengthening your muscles. So yeah, I'll be back next week. I'll be back next week with the final chapter of the book. Have a great weekend. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you to my Sproutable partners, as well as Chris Mann and the team at Podshaper for all the support with getting this show out there. Don't forget, get your free companion guide to this series created to expand your learning and your own copy of the book by going to besproutable.com slash jcbook. I'm so appreciating you and I'm here to support you and your journey of parenting tweens and teens. Find me on social media or shoot me an email at casey at joyfulcourage.com to discover how we can work together. Tune back in on Monday for a brand new interview and I'll be back with another solo show next Thursday. Real truth alert, pregnancy, birth, and having a baby isn't all sunshine and rainbows. I wish it were. But the reality is that many people struggle and suffer through this time without the right help or even knowing what they're dealing with. I'm perinatal psychologist, Dr. Katayun Kayeni, also known as Dr. Kat. My podcast, Mom and Mind, aims to shine a light on the difficult reality that so many hopeful and new parents experience and raise the volume on how we can better support mental health, which is a big part of our overall health. Episodes include personal stories from people who have healed through things like pregnancy and postpartum anxiety, depression, PTSD, and so much more. I also talk with specialists and experts who explain and educate on these conditions. 
all of this to support parents to know that they are not alone, that healing is possible, and there are resources that can help you today. Listen into Mom and Mind and walk with me through the world of perinatal mental health.